Welcome to the Spike Feed, your leading Magic the Gathering podcast. What is happening? My name is Curtis, and I am just your typical Spike. Here with me is my good buddy and co-host Dustin. Dustin, how are you, sir? I'm all right. And our producer extraordinaire, Cameron. Cameron, how are you, sir? Oh, fabulous, dude. How about you? I'm 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 great. You work in that producing witchcraft you got going over there, making us <laughs> sound good, better than we should be. Yeah, sure. Except for when I forget to make an edit here or there. Dude, like I, I thought it was his DC Comics fix that he was loving, <laughs> making him in a good mood. Cameron had a had one missed edit, and you would have thought like the apologies that I got via text message, like that I was super worried about it. Right, Cameron? I, everybody knows that you edit everything I say to such a degree <laughs> to make me sound yeah, logical. Right? It's true. What they don't know is that when he does mess up, you give him ten lashes. Right. right? So of course he was apologetic. I drive up to Des Moines. Yeah. And uh, I give him his whooping, right? <laughs> right, right. Anyway, so uh, we start out every show talking about our weeks, what we've been doing, what we've been playing. Dustin, you've bu- done nothing but worked on your Blagojevich hair, correct? That's what I'm working on here. It's looking better. great. It, Thanks. That is Thanks. one fantastic. It's feathery. I, I should get like some great. Moroccan oil <laughs> and just like make it look all shiny and stuff, right? Anyway, so Cameron, you played this week. I did. Um... I played a little standard on Friday, and I played some Legacy today, Sunday. Um, so I just want to kind of juxtapose these two different events and like how good and how amazing one is and the other one that just is brutal. Uh, so we'll start with standard. And here's my matchup. I went two and three, and I played against Mono Red, lost. <clears throat> played against Mono White, won. Played against Mono Blue, won. Played against Mono Red, lost. Oh, apparently Mono Red is the bane of your existence. It's the new Mono Blue, for sure. Um, okay. But it, it was just, it's it's insane to me that my shop's meta, everybody who is playing is just like completely burned out on standard. Everybody. Like, like, like oh, you're playing the, the Mono Red, and it's not like the Mono Red Burn, it's like more of the mono red creature deck that has the Eidolon and a bunch mm-hmm. of other agri creatures in it. Mm-hmm. Um, both mm-hmm. of those were like that. But like they were just like, yeah, I'm just bored, and so I just suited this up because it was kind of interesting. But it's just like everybody, even the people winning with mono black, <laughs> seem to be just miserable right now with standard. So so let me ask you this about standard and all this mono stuff going around. With uh, rotation happening uh, eventually in October... With mono everything and Nykthos staying in, does that mean these pain lands are just pointless? I, I uh, it's it's kind of difficult to make predictions based upon what we've seen so far, but just shooting from the hip, I would say both mono blue and mono black are going to, and we're talking about October rotation, so stay around. Look different. No, I I think mono blue is almost going to be. I mean, you're losing Tidebinder Mage leaving. and the, the Spectre. I always forget what that Spectre is called. Night Veil. Yeah, you lose those cards, which in Night Veil, Spectre in Mono Blue is really, really, really important. Right. Um, so I think Mono Blue will be gone. Mono Black will look different, but still exists because you're losing Underworld Connections. Um, but Mono Red and Mono Green, I think, might become a thing more <sighs> so than they are mm-hmm. now. Um, no, and no, Cameron, no. don't quit the podcast. Don't quit the podcast. <laughs> Stay with us. He's just going to quit magic altogether. No. Right? But anyway, you're frustrated with the meta is what you were saying. Yeah, yeah. So compare that to today where 
I play Legacy. I suit up my blue-red Delver deck, and I go 2-2. I just have the best time. Even when I'm losing against some of these decks, it's still... I mean, I think I've said this a hundred times, or every other time I've played Legacy. It's just a total blast. Um, And so I I played just a range of different decks, and all of them are kind of new and fresh to me. First one was Esper Stoneblade, which if I had $3,000 to drop... This would be the deck that I would buy in a heartbeat. Everything about it is just awesome. I love this deck. It's just so cool. The Jace is amazing. Um, you know, there's just enough, like, there's your Thoughtseize, there's the Swords of Plowshares. It just has every great card that I really, really like and dig about Legacy in it, and it just synergizes in a great way. <clears throat> um, and I lost really hard to this deck, too. So, you know, there's that, too. Um the next deck that I played against, and this is the one I just want to elaborate on a little bit, just because I had such a great time. It was a Jund Life from the Loam Lands deck. I don't know what you would call it, um, but it Did had... Did play Grove of the Burn Willows? It had Grove of the Burn Willows in it, and um, the the win condition for the deck is uh, Dark Depths. Yeah, it's Jund right? Lands. Yeah, okay, Jund Lands. Okay, so... Um, in this, the, the first matchup that I, or the first game that I played against this deck, I had no idea what to do. And I was trying to figure out what is this, what, what is this deck trying to do? I had no, no familiarity with it whatsoever. And then finally, he combos off with Dark Depths and I can't remember the other. Thespian Stage. Thespian Stage, yeah, to like, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. instantly go off and there's a 2020 creature and, you know, nails me. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, okay, I need to bring in some Vapor Snags maybe. And um, I definitely need to bring in my price of progress. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I do that. Game two goes on forever. We're on maybe like turn 12, and I'm just just kind of chugging away. Because of that Grove of the Burn Willows, I'm up to actually like 22 life, 23 life, just always hovering right around there. Mm -hmm. Um, And he he, shot down all your guys, I would assume. Yeah, he's continually just shooting down all my guys. I can't get my Delver to do anything, you know, I mean, like, and I have to pay for the, uh, is it the Tabernacle, where I have to either pay, or I can't remember which card it was. Tabernacle of Pendril Veil, yes. Yeah, and I I have to pay in order to, you know, keep my guy alive or sacrifice it. So this is going on, but we're on, like, turn 12 or 13, top deck, price of progress, and, like... Oh my gosh, this is going to be great. Play that and, you know, I deal him like an insane amount of damage. We're talking like maybe 15 points of damage and it was the greatest thing to see on his face was just like, oh, I didn't see that coming and it was it was so awesome. So did you one shot him that game? Was that it? Yeah. Yeah, that was it. So, Epic. one and one and then we're down to game 3 and mm-hmm. this was the this this was like probably one of the most proud moments I've ever had in Magic. Um, I get him down to one life, um, and he gets that stupid Tabernacle going again. I have to sacrifice practically all my creatures because I have like only four lands. He's eaten two of my other lands through uh, wastelands and everything else. Um, but I have him down to one life, and I just I cannot find the I cannot find my my anything to kind of go off with this. Um, but he gets his Dark Depths combo to go off. Or I'm sorry, I, I draw my last card. I draw is a Vapor Snag. 
which returns target creature and deals one damage, right? Yeah. So on his turn, he goes off with the Dark Depths, tap, play the Vapor Snag, win the game by returning his 2020 creature back to him and dealing one damage of life to him. It was the proudest, most amazing moment of magic I have ever had. Okay, so that means Katy Perry has to go right here, right? It has to, dude. I mean, <laughs> so freaking amazing. I've never had... I, I, I mean, I was just like ready to vomit after that. It was just like the greatest experience ever. It's, it's totally like that combination awesome. of like nerves where you're like, you want to vomit and you also want to headbutt your opponent. <laughs> Yeah. And then pointed at a guy yeah. across the room and be like, who else wants some? You. You yeah. want a little? Huh? So good. Um, match three, I go against elves, lose hard. <laughs> so long. <laughs> so like all that like hype that was just totally built up was lost. Uh, game four, uh, go up against Merfolk and win that. And there's nothing to say. I'm really familiar with Merfolk and um, I just have enough card disruption and everything to, you know, deal a lot of damage. So... That was my legacy play. Went two and two, and it was, like, again, just some of the best magic I can ever play. It's fantastic. So, by the way, you're you're still thinking about parting ways with Merfolk? Like, we are we going to talk about that on the show? Like, you called me in the middle of the week, and you're like, I think it's time. Is that something that's still on the table for you or not so much? <laughs> you know, pieces of it. I feel like I just should get rid of that. I, I want to hold on to, like, the Aether Vials. I want to hold on to... Um, the Mutavaults and, and things like that, I feel like could find homes in other decks, but I don't know. Like, I'm just kind of, you know, the deck suited me well for the past six months, but I feel like we've gr- outgrown each other. Okay. Okay. You're, you're, it's just <laughs> not, it. it's not them, it's you. Is that what you're yeah, saying? Exactly. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. Well, Dustin is a specialist at liquidating decks for people, so <laughs> he will be more than happy to help you out. Sweet. I can do that. Um, Since you hate the entire race of mer people. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> but, which, by the way, wh- why is the deck merfolk? Why isn't it mermen? There's no girl merfolks, are there? Silvergill. Is, she, is, is yeah. that a female merfolk? I think so, yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I haven't so. really looked at any of the artwork. And, and it, it, if you look at the original artwork of Ponder, there's mer girls on there. I think they call those mermaids, Dustin. <laughs> What's wrong with mer girls? <laughs> Wouldn't it depend on like, I don't know how old they are. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's all the oh, same. No. Oh wow, he's so racist. Now they all look the same to him. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> anyway, so I played standard this week, and um, so I I just decided that my local meta, the thing to do is just to play straight green red monsters. I've been messing around with Jun monsters. I've been messing around with blue eye control. All these things. And I've come to the realization that my issue with standard is I feel like I never have any idea what I'm doing, and yet I'm still profitable, which is a bad indication <laughs> of this format, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, or it just means that you're really good at what you do. Not really. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not good at standard right now. And, I mean, I drew in the finals. I, I l- dropped the match. I had an early round bye, which kind of got me into the top four, you know, won my semifinal match. And, I mean, nothing... Like, it kind of has this weird... Standard has this weird... Everybody knows what deck the other person's playing at this point because it's just the same people showing up and everybody's just been playing the same deck. So, mm-hmm. you know, once you sit down, you're like, ah, oh, this guy, he's playing this or this guy's playing this. And 
I mean, I got, I've gotten this feeling that if I decided instead of Green Red Monsters to build Mono Blue Devotion or Mono Black Devotion or any of those decks, I think I would still just be playing it, right? Because there's no real incentive, right, to jump outside of that. Yeah, some of your matchups are a little bit better than others. You know, I feel like Green Red Monsters is never better than 60% and never worse than 40%. So it's just kind of like, eh, I'll just play that and call it good and see what happens and deal a lot of damage, right? And then that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, that that doesn't sound like a bad plan. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it's just awful. And, and like I said the last couple of weeks, I've been playing, uh, you know, different matches in between. It's funny you mentioned elves, Cameron, because, you know, a guy did have elves in my shop. And, um, you know, I, I've been testing my Maverick build, and it's like, okay, let's do this, you know. And yeah. that matchup is- for Maverick is, is like 30% to 40% maybe. I mean, it's okay. bad. Yeah. And, um, you know, I wanted to test out anyway, and I got a bunch of, like, reaction, like, why are you doing that? Why are you doing It's like, I, I got to know. Yeah, you got to learn, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, I've got to maximize it. If I can maximize it from 30 to 35%, then that's what I need to do. Sure. Um, but, yeah, elves is the nightmare. I mean, elves and goblins for Maverick. But, anyway, yeah, I, I've kind of been jealous of you, Cameron. This, like, once-a-month legacy tournament that you're reporting on has been, like, a real issue for me. Oh, it's right. so good. Yeah, you Once should you be jealous. Once you me all these like little play-by-plays or that you vapor-snagged this guy's Merit Lage token, like I just like turn on a cold shower and play the crying game soundtrack <laughs> and just cry, Curtis. you know? Yeah. Curtis, yeah. Curtis, Curtis. You know you got options, right? You can either go to the local all-proxy tournament <laughs> okay. or you just move to Iowa. Pick one. Yeah. Uh, okay. Always options. Okay. Move or to I the, east coast. the East Coast, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, uh, cost of living there is more expensive. Yeah, in and they also call sprinkles on your ice cream jimmies, which really bothers me. So, you know, got to get out of there. Wow. <laughs> got to get out of there. Anyway, so guys, this is all apropos of nothing. We have got to talk about spoilers. So let's take a quick break. Come back. We've got some brand new Planeswalkers to cover. <laughs> So guys, we have some new spoilers to talk about, most notably some new Planeswalkers. And I think we got to lead this off with good old Johnny Cameron, I'm going to throw you under the bus, make you read this one first. Go for it. Oh boy, Johnny Steadfast. He's a Planeswalker. He costs three and a white, and he's an Johnny with a loyalty counter of four. Uh, until end of turn... This is a plus one. Yeah, yeah, plus, I'm sorry, it's, yeah, plus one. Until end of turn, up to one target creature gets plus one, plus, and, plus one, and gains first strike, vigilance, and lifelink. Then it has a mm-hmm, minus mm-hmm. two counter, plus, put a plus one, plus one counter on each creature you control, and a loyalty counter on each other planeswalker you control. Um, and then minus seven, you get an <laughs> emblem with, if a source would deal damage to you or a planeswalker you control prevent all but one of that damage mm-hmm. um so you know I, I i feel like there's some interesting synergy that could happen with this i'm thinking in my perspective for like a naya uh planeswalkers type deck um where that minus two to give your other planeswalkers a loyalty counter could be huge i mean like in one turn to give your some of those planeswalkers, you know, two loyalty counters, um, could make that ultimate go off. Um, maybe and I don't know. Maybe that could happen. Maybe not. Maybe it's still not fast enough. Dustin, what do you think of this thing, man? 
Uh, I think he's pretty good all around. Um, I mean, he's easy to fit in other decks, being as it's only one white within his casting cost. Uh, all his abilities are good. If you get his ultimate off, it, it's just ridiculous, right? Well, but, yeah. Um, what's that? I said, yeah. Well, all these ultimates right. are pretty good, right? So, and as Cameron was saying, if you're doing the extra loyalty counters, I'm I'm not saying this guy will be used in other formats yet, but say you had him in uh, Modern with Liliana, you could just constantly use her, her minus two, but it's more like doing a minus one. You could just do it more often, right? It's just, it's kind of weird to think something like that. So, I think it's the first time we've seen an interaction like that where it's adding loyalty counters, so it's very, very difficult to know how much mana that's actually worth. Right? Right. Mm-hmm. My gut tells me this guy's absolute garbage. <laughs> so, and here's why. Both of is his... Because your gut is wrong? Oh, my gut's wrong all the time. Right? <laughs> right. For listeners, for those of you who don't know, we have a, a uh, guarantee that we are 50% right. Right? <laughs> we will like hit that 50% odds. mark. Every time. There's, there's three of us. Shouldn't it be like 33% right? No, dude, this no. is science. You can't argue with that. <laughs> All right. All right. right. Uh, so we're, no, we're as good see, as weather people. Here's the problem. Both of his you know, first two abilities require other permanents to do mm-hmm. something. And that gives you a scenario, many scenarios, where he is a dead or nothing draw. Right? Okay. If, if you are behind... And your creature is incredibly outclassed. He does nothing, right? And okay. this this situation where we have multiple planeswalkers, well, that means he might be a one of in this deck, right? Now, now, mind you, his his first ability can target your opponent's creature, so it can till, <laughs> uh, kill illusions, right? Yeah, right. Like you it got that awesome. phantasmal image. Yeah. Take that, right? Take that. That's right. <laughs> So, I mean, he's just leaning on too many other things to happen. And, you know, the three-mana Johnny uh, had similar abilities, right? Like, he would pump or do things to one of your creatures. Well, he never really saw a play, and that was one-mana cheaper. Granted, these abilities mm-hmm. are much stronger. But I'm I'm really underwhelmed. And I, I would be willing to bet if you're just playing, like, a mono-white, like, deck, right? Or a, a white devotion deck... I think you might want Heliod in this spot instead hmm. because you're getting more advantage out of having a Heliod in play. Right. So just a guess, but I'm not a fan. Okay. Fair so enough. Mark it down. I'm sure to be wrong. There, <laughs> there are times when I am a hundred percent sure. And the more sure I am, the more wrong I am. Like we'll talk about this later, but Dustin's <laughs> like, yeah, I'm hearing a rumor that Urborg is going to be in the set. And I said, yep. guarantee, yep. not going to happen. They are not going to print a legendary <laughs> land like that in a core set. Should have gambled some more barbecue or something. Right, yeah, you no should have. You should have. So, Dustin, why don't you read our uh, Jace for us? Well, you're the blue guy. Why don't you do Jace? Okay, oh, fair enough. Nissa. I just I, I, I don't want my excitement to come through too much. <laughs> oh, it'll be all right. So, I'll, I'll do Nissa here. Okay, fair enough. So, Jace, the Living Guild Pact is... Two blue blue for a Jace. He comes in with five loyalty counters. His plus one is look at the top two cards of your library, put one of them into your graveyard. Minus three, return another target non-land permanent to its owner's hand. And minus eight, each player shuffles his or her hand and graveyard into his or her library. You draw seven cards. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. 
Can we just get it out of the way right now? It's not as good as Mind Sculptor, obviously. Gosh, oh, no. obviously. Oh. <laughs> Nothing. Hey, every just, magic card it, ever printed, by the way. <laughs> I, I just want to know how many Jaces we're going to end up having. It's like there's a new Jace every set now. Well, dude, he's the it's face almost of the brand. Annoying. You know what I mean? Still. Um, I mean, like, it's kind of weird to have a core set and not have your main guy, but whatever. Um, right. So where would you put him on the Jace scale, Dustin? Like, we have, I don't know, what, four or five Jaces? <sighs> okay, so this is the problem that I'm having with this Jace. Okay. Right? Is I like his ultimate, but, again, ultimates are the things you should never look at when looking to play a Planeswalker, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Because it's the hardest thing to make happen. But having a uh, time spiral that's one-sided, right? <laughs> Or time twister, however you want to, you know, whichever one you want to say, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's just crazy that they lose their hand in the shuffle and you get seven new cards. So I really like that, but on the J scale, um, he's going pretty low, man. I mean, obviously there's Mind Sculptor and then Bellerin's really good for what he does, and even the guy that's doing all the milling. I mean, this guy's just kind of left. Yeah. I think I, he's the second. I actually like him better than Memory Adept. Okay. I don't think he's as good as Architect of Thought or Bellerin. Right. Because keep in mind, Memory Adept was very good in that standard because there was a milling deck, right? Like, yeah. That that plays a role into this discussion. Like, Memory Adept's legal now, and he sees no play, right? But there when, was a time a couple months back when he was being used here and there. Uh, in low numbers, very would, low numbers. You know, yeah. every once in a while, when I saw him, the memory adept in a in, in some sort of like blue white control deck, like it was always like just like a one of in the sideboard. It was always a surprise <laughs> at how well that card performed, and I just mm-hmm. like this one. I just don't see it surprising me in that way. So I'm ranking that one lower, like this just Jace Living Guild pack lower than memory adept. Even I'm really right. down on this one. So. Okay, so first of all, you need to think of, and this is the key, I think, to enjoying this, is the plus one, think of it as just scrying one. Okay? Sure. Don't think of it as, because this, this kind of chatter was at my shop on Friday. People were like, you know, you're just milling yourself one. It's like, nah, it's a little bit better than that, right? Well, mm-hmm. the thing you got to think about is there's been plenty of times in the past where there are certain things you want in the graveyard. Right. And right. with the new Soul of guys... I mean, they could easily be one of them that you throw in the graveyard, and you can still use their effect. Sure. Right. So there's there's an added benefit there, but really you're just trying to get a little bit better card selection, what, 95% of the time, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Don't underrate returning a permanent to your hand. No, I, I get that. I get that. Well, non-land permanent. Right. right? Especially your own Banishing Light, right? Right. So right. There, there are cool mm-hmm. tricks. I think he, you know... Standard has to be really slow for this guy to end up being good. Mm-hmm. And the ultimate is kind of a trick because it is the kind of ultimate that a control player just really wants in their heart of hearts to do. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. We want to experience that of I have seven cards and you have none, zero cards, nil cards, if you will. And we're going to sit here and continue to play while I slowly choke you to death, right? Like, that's what every control player wants. Um but that being said, for this card to be good enough in standard, you have to have a deck that gets to that point, right? So basically, you have to be playing control and have a Johnny Steadfast giving him extra counters. No. <laughs> no. I mean, I think this is, again, a theory, but it's reasonable to think this Jace will be paired with Anger of the Gods, right? 
because you're trying to slow down the game in such a way that you're going to, you know, set off this ultimate to close out the game, right? While I don't see it happening. Yeah, that's the problem don't. is it's standards got to be that slow. The problem with, you know, there's no other real reasonable wrath effects, right, that leave a right. planeswalker in. And you kind of have to slow down the game. Maybe it's a bug deck or something like that. Um, but then you also get into this really iffy situation like, is Kiora just better? Mm-hmm. Right. Right. But I think it's going to be a blue-red shell, maybe blue-red-white, if this guy's any mm-hmm. good. I see him just loafing around in EDH decks. That's about it. Mm-hmm. Loafing around. Yo, what's <laughs> up? I'm Jason Living Guild Pack. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, Dustin, so you want to talk about Nissa World Waker? Do it. All right. Nissa World Waker is three colorless, two green for a loyalty of three. Her plus one is target land you control becomes a 4-4 elemental creature with trample. It's still a land. Awesome. She has a second plus one that is up, uh, untap up to four target forests. Awesome. And she has a minus seven of search your library for any number of basic land cards, put them onto the battlefield, shuffle your library, then these lands become 4-4 elemental creatures with trample, which are still lands. This thing, I just see this thing being devastating. Um, the, the middle ability of plus one untap up to four target forest is ridiculous. The turn she comes Agreed. out, you can play her than a, a yeah. Polychronos. Yeah. Um, the, the target land thing where it's becoming a giant land is pretty ridiculous. We've seen with Koth of the Hammer, that was crazy when it was happening and they didn't even stay lands, right? Oh, they didn't stay creatures. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. They didn't stay creatures for the, for turns past. Um, but just having that four, four body out there is a huge deal. Um, the minus seven again is ridiculous, uh, unless you're playing in a format where there's Armageddon or Wrath of God or something, right? Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, for five mana, even with the three loyalty counters, which seems low for five mana, she's still just very solid planeswalker. Yeah. And by the way, it should be pointed out that post rotation right now, we're not seeing any four mana wraths, right? Right. The, Mm -hmm. it's faded retribution is the Theros block wrath or anger of the gods. Right. Um, and, and Anger the Gods does not hit these. Yeah. Because they're too big. Right? And so that's brutal. Uh, but Dustin, I think the scenario that you just mentioned about the middle ability of, hey, got this, right? You're you're basically paying one mana if you get it to go. Yeah. Right. Which, oh, wow, this card I think is really good. Like really now, now imagine this. So it's like turn five or maybe turn four before you can get her out anyway, right? So you got a little mana guys. You plop her down. You've got guys on the board. You've got Nykthos. You untap four lands. You Nykthos for all the screen mana. Then you just Genesis Hydra right after, right? And you get like even more bonus stuff. It'd be amazing. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it feels like a mono green devotion deck thing too. Like I don't know if it'll fit in monsters exactly, but that deck might change right. quite a bit. Cameron, what do you think of this this planeswalker? Yeah, what you were talking about earlier at the first segment of the show, mono green becoming a thing. This is kind of the nail in the coffin for that to happen, it seems. Um, it definitely is worth experimenting with. Um, once again, I'm putting this in like either the Jun monsters or maybe the Naya midrange where you're wanting to get to that five as soon as possible. Um, mm-hmm. And this just fits so well where yeah you're just paying one and you get four additional forests to play whatever i mean that that's just bonkers that's huge um i'm really excited about this card and i 
probably will like you know pre-order three of them i'm thinking uh, oh dude dustin's about to have like a serious <laughs> medical like issue over there well okay we'll see dun, dun. Okay. yeah yeah dustin so do you need some do you see, need some kind of pills don't have a stroke on us man that's I'll not be okay. okay i'll be okay now the thing you were talking about uh monsters monsters will be losing uh garuk and domri mm-hmm. so they need something right yeah i think i think this is I don't know that it'll see play before October, but there's there's another card in this set that we really haven't talked about called Life's Legacy. Right. That if you're playing a mono green devotion deck and you're playing with Nissa, like that adds the card draw component and Nykthos mm-hmm. creates the mana component. So you might be able to have like a combo elves kind of turn, right? Where right. you're able to play multiple Nykthoses untap some lands like just crazy things right yeah. Voyager, all that stuff yeah eidolon of blossoms also plays a role in that deck right. potentially so she feels tailor-made for a a green deck right right and just for the record i love this card i love the design i love the artwork like and it's a callback to zendikar it's just a total home run in terms of, you know, like, I think it's going to be a casual player hit as well as a, a good tournament card. Right. It's powerful, but it's not, like, just depressingly so, powerful, right? <laughs> I, yeah. I, I see this card doing uh, what Jace Architect Thought did, in which it comes out at a high price, it gets played in maybe one deck, it'll drop to maybe, like, 12s, and then right when rotation hits, this thing will shoot back up in price. Hmm. Right. And if what's nice about mono green, if it becomes good, is that's a very easy strategy to deal with, right? Like, if you're playing, you know, maybe that makes black a lot better, you know, this kind of thing. And, you know, Liliana Vess, I know a lot of people are upset that that's getting reprinted because it's seen print so many times. But what I would tell you is don't sleep on the overall power of that card. It is a very, very, very powerful Planeswalker, especially in a slow format. So... Just putting that out there. Hmm. Um, you know, make sure you have a couple copies, especially if you're planning on playing black, because it might right. become a thing that you need. Hmm. Indeed. All right. Well, thanks for having my back there, Dustin. I appreciate that. So, Cameron, you wanted to talk about Hushwing Griff? <laughs> yeah. So we have a Hippogriff finally in the format. It's about time for all you hey, Harry. You, you guys know we don't talk about Pokemon, like, on the show, right? It's just a magic-only show. So. Oh. I don't what know about- why we're talking about Hushwing Griff. <laughs> Hushwing Griff is a two and a white. It's a creature and it's a hippogriff with a power and toughness of 2-1. It has flash, it has flying, and it has creatures entering the battlefield don't cause abilities to trigger. Um, mm-hmm. This is sweet for modern, right? Like, all of a sudden, Splinter Twin are you know kiki i mean like that sort of thing can be shut down relatively quickly now um which is huge it seems uh yeah and uh, most of the time like they'll have to change whatever counterspell suite they're using right because if they're yeah. playing spell pierce or swan song or negate or something like that they might have to go back to just straight up packed negation <clears throat> uh which is interesting um mm-hmm. I like it. I I don't love it. I I mean, the problem is with modern, like the decks that are going to be able to run this card are really narrow, right? And it's basically the hate bears deck. Like you're not going to play this in a Snapcaster Mage deck. No. That'd be awful. So, right. Dustin, what do you think of it, man? 
Um, I think it's really good. I like the flash. The flying is just a bonus. It reminds me a lot of Avon Mind Sensor, uh, obviously yeah. with a different ability, but definitely playable. Um, I mean, if you're really worried about Splinter Twin and everything, I guess you could have this and Torpor Orbs and just have that much more ways to stop it, right? Right. But, right. I mean, and- a lot of people aren't going to see it coming and they're not all going to have answers. Yeah, but Torpor Orb costs two, correct? Correct, and can go in anything. So is that surprise factor worth an extra mana and extra color? You know, it's, it's one of those things that's a really difficult question to answer. Like, if you're if you're not playing a white Hatebear-style deck, I don't think this card is good enough. It's a tough call. Um, I'd say it's right up there with the same surprise factor as, you know, you're playing Blood Moons, and they think they have an answer for it, but next thing you know, you play Magus of the Moon, too. And they're like, now i got to answer eight? Dude, that, that's what you're all about, though, man. You love Blood Moon effects. <laughs> Blood Moon's awesome. Right? Uh, Dustin, you wanted to talk about Soul of Theros. Yeah, let's do some Soul of Theros. All right, so Soul of Theros, four colorless, two white. It's a 6-6 six, six avatar with vigilance. It has the ability of four colorless and two white. Creatures you control get plus two, plus two, and gain first strike and lifelink until end of turn. It has the same ability for the same cost to uh, exile it from your graveyard to do the same thing. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this guy, to me, just seems super powerful. Um, by by the time you get him out, you should have a bunch of tiny white creatures and just, you know, mana to spare. So every turn after this, you're just going to be giant and attacking, and you're going to gain lots and lots of life, right? So the question is, better or worse than Pack Rat in Limited? <laughs> well that that depends on how many pack rats you draft in limited right just the one i mean keep in mind there was nothing just the that one. Just straight up killed a pack rat or i shouldn't say nothing very few things right so um that's a very tough call pack rat is pretty devastating if it goes off right right and this is the i mean this is the same way right if you have any board presence even if they kill him even if they have to use a right. removal spell he's in your graveyard you're going to do I guess it next the, turn. The big difference is Pack Rat starts earlier, Pack Rat's winning. And it gets rid of the the basic lands you don't need after that. Okay. But this this so. might fight it, fit in a mono-white devotion deck, right? We were talking about this earlier. Like It, right. it seems like a solid fit there. Like a one of, two of, whatever. Yeah. And just destroying every creature mirror ever. Mm-hmm. Right. Cameron, you, you're like... You're like mashing your palms together like you're so excited about this card (laughs) i actually am like so lukewarm on this card yeah i think it will be great in like a mono white but i mean just playing against mono white this past week is just sure add it to it i guess it'll be okay it's just dudes isn't it it's just dudes yeah all right so perilous vault is the last card i really wanted to talk about uh it's four colorless for an artifact five in tap exile Perilous Vault and Exile, all non-land permanent. So this is interesting, right? It's it's a Wrath effect, but it's a very powerful effect for starters. But unless there's a way to win with your lands, it's not really the kind of Wrath effect that control decks typically want. Um, unless there's some other way of, you know, flashing in and out your things or that kind of stuff. So... I think this effect is really interesting. Dustin, what's the price on Perilous Vault right now? Perilous Vault currently is at $10. So maybe Start that's right price. where it should be. It is feasible that this is an Eternal Format playable card or Cease Play in Tron, which 
you know, judging by our discussion a couple weeks ago, not my favorite deck in the world. Um, but it can do some really interesting, powerful things at that mana cost. Really, you know, a nice callback to Nervinial's disc. So let's stop talking about spoilers, kind of have this discussion at large, because I know Dustin has a lot to say. Uh oh. About the land. So there was so much speculation going into this set about, you know, what we would see printed in terms of lands. Now, before I throw it over to Dustin, before mm-hmm. he goes on full tilt, <laughs> Cameron, did you have you did you know these lands existed? Yeah, um, I was I guess really you've been playing modern, right? Been playing modern. I was really close to buying two Shivan Reefs for my blue red Delver deck, um, but decided against it. And um, but yeah, I mean, it's kind of interesting, but at the same time. I don't know. I don't like that one damage. And especially in today's modern format, or I'm sorry, standard format, uh, like mana confluence is just a nightmare sometimes with having to deal one damage to yourself. And Mm -hmm. this is the same sort of thing, and I hate it. Yeah, so Dustin, go. What do you think, man? (laughs) So it's really bad to me because we were doing the number crunch, and we had the sliver thing in there and the next thing you know we're looking at the numbers for lands and it could have fit the onslaught fetches right Mm -hmm. and i was so hoping i was just thinking dollar signs and (laughs) next thing i know it's these pain lands right and the only one that was worth anything was like shiv and reef right they were like you know eight to ten dollars for a while and the rest of them are just so dirt cheap and nobody cares and like cameron was saying taking this extra damage you know with mana confluence as well it just I, I don't I don't see this as being a good idea. Um, I guess we went from having really good mana, and now they'd want us to have not so good mana, right? Uh, unless you're playing black, because we get Urborg. Oh, right? yeah. <laughs> you know, let's flash black in every deck. <laughs> I mean, it's it's just I don't know. I I was really disappointed. I just mm, unhappy. So by the way, it does point to. And not a lot of people have talked about this, but it does point to just the onslaught fetches being soon, right? Because there's only enemy color pain lands, so that means we have more enemy color dual lands than allied color lands. So that means hmm. maybe the next you know set they have the onslaught fetches only, which are only allied colors. You know that's a hope, right? Not necessarily. I mean, what happens when they give us the the ice age pain lands? And then we're stuck with full set of pain lanes. I mean, <laughs> I hope they don't. I hope they don't. <laughs> I hope they don't either. But I was hoping they would never give us these back in the first place. And my concern <laughs> is that people are going to overvalue these. First of all, I really don't like that they printed these in concert with Mana Confluence. It feels right. unnecessarily right. redundant. Mm-hmm. Right. I know you can tap these for a colorless or whatever, but it's like if you want Mana Confluence to kind of be its own thing, these lands nest, you know, shouldn't necessarily exist. My first gut reaction was, I can't believe they didn't do enemy colored scars lands. Right? We had the only the allied colored scars lands forever, and we, that's what we're still stuck with. And I thought, well, if you're going to do enemy color things, why don't you just do those? Right? Right. That would have made a lot more sense to me, and I think that would have been a good thing. Um, this again to me with what Theros is doing it makes me feel like if you're not playing monocolor, they're punishing you. Yeah, right? yeah, and there's there's also this tendency, and I think some of the players were talking about this that I had chatted with, that because these don't come into play tapped, 
that they are better than the Scrylands. And in a standard environment, it's highly unlikely that that's going to be the case. You know, the scry- I would also think that if you're playing these colors, you're using the Scrylands and these. Right. So it's not like you're picking one or the other. Right. And the, and the Scrylands, I mean, have a free spell attached to them. And, you know, I I was on this show naysaying the Scrylands, and I'm definitely a believer now. They are way, way better than I thought they were going to be. Mm-hmm. And, right. I, you know, I would definitely prefer a mana base of Scrylands to Painlands, particularly right. well, in a in a space where monored devotion is going to be a thing right yeah. the other thing is you got to think these are reprints so we know what these do right we know how they're going to affect standard it's not like the scrylands just coming out and we're like eh right and two of them i mean just two of them the black white and the the blue red ones see play in modern and yeah, that's because right. and modern is like you're dead on turn four turn five lot <laughs> right yeah, right uh nobody's going to sit here and say these these lands are amazing now urborg is a different situation Definitely. I am just blown away. Now, I know, Cameron, you were thinking, I wish Mono Black were a little bit better. It just needs a little <laughs> bit more power to it, I think. Yeah. You know what I hate is when Mono Black players have Muta Vaults and they don't tap for black. That sucks. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's Horrible. so unfair. <laughs> so we saw that as just like... Or when they want to splash a color, but they still want the black, you know, it's like, I, I just feel bad for every single Mono Black player out there. As well as you should. Yeah. And Dustin and I were theorizing whenever that got spoiled, like, oh, maybe every color will have an Urborg type of card, right? But it just as a one-off, it's just like... There's still you know, time. We- it could happen. <laughs> right. The Wizards <laughs> is doing right? the uh, the Cartman whatever, I do what I want thing, <laughs> yeah. you know? And, and they're just like, yeah, we're just going to put Urborg in there, deal with it, right? It just feels strange. So now, speaking of strange... Mm-hmm. Urborg is like Planner Chaos version is sitting around thirty dollars, mm-hmm. and they got this thing pre-selling for twelve. It just—it's odd to me that they haven't dropped the Planner Chaos one yet. I, I guess they know that you're not going to be able to play with this for a month, right? Right. I don't know, but at twelve dollars, I'd say it's a good price to get into them at. I mean, sure, they might go a little bit lower, but uh, in the long run, I would see this card going back up once it's out of print again. And and the foils are probably a decent investment too, right? Right. Um, even though it was in from the vaults. Uh, I do have to say, I kind of begrudgingly respect M15 though. Because it is so bizarre and like <laughs> just out of left field, it feels way different than the last three core sets, I would so, argue. So you like the flavor and the diversity yeah. of it. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it's it's gutsy. It's taken some chances. I don't love some of the chances. Some of them I really like. Um Dude, the uh, and the, we're not done. It's not finished being spoiled yet. Yeah, I know. The, the most egregious reprint, the one that is a nightmare, is stab wound. Guys, never I, I again with that card. Nightmare was the nightmare. <sighs> Do you know how many games, Cameron? You don't know yet. Do you know how many games you're going to lose to somebody stab wounding one of your creatures? Yeah, I don't even know what this card does. I'm looking. Oh, okay, it's the worst. Ooh, that is stab bad. wound is yeah. the best card to have and limit it. Yeah. I, I can and believe it, yeah. I've been double stab wounded before. I've never been triple stab wounded. I don't want to, okay? And it's a common. Like, <laughs> thanks, guys. Thanks for that. Real cool. But no, the, the, I do have to say, even though I have some issues with the pain lands and all that, I'm, I'm liking this course out. What do you guys think of it? I like it so far, except for the lands, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um. I mean, it does have a lot. It has a lot of things you can use in modern. It has a lot of new things, a lot of things that can 
uh, easily be played in standard. So I like where they're going with it. I just want to see what this six planeswalker is. All right, Cameron, we've been positive for like three minutes. Yeah. I won't be impressed until they reprint uh, Wasteland. It just feels like (laughs) it needs to be put into the system right now. (sighs) Dude, they are never, ever going to put that in standard (laughs) or modern. Right? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That would be a nightmare. But awesome. Ever. All right. So... Uh, let's close out the show, gentlemen. We're going to cut Cameron becoming a spike once again, just because we've run a little bit long. Uh, That's horrible. People are going to hate us and stop listening. Tear. <laughs> All right, Cam- Cameron. The card is Black Cat. Go with it. <laughs> it's kind of a cool card. <laughs> we've never talked about Dustin's uh, Black Cat collection, have we? He collects that card. Only in foil. Only in foil. Mm. Right. Yeah. So anyway. He's so mangy. It's awesome. Dustin, if people want to send you a copy of Black Cat, they can find you where? They can send it to your house. You can hand it to me. It's fine. Fair <laughs> enough. Cameron, if someone would like to get a hold of you, how can they do that? Twitter, at Cameron underscore McCoy. If you would like to tell me how wrong I am about the new Ajani, I am at Curtis now. Please do. Our, our official show feed <laughs> is at SpikeFeedMTG. Uh, and you can catch up with our podcast on brainstormbrewery.com, mtgcast.com, and our own website, spikefeed.com. We'll check you guys next week. So, um, just to let you guys know, I hear tornado sirens going off. So, if I zap out, I might have been caught in a tornado. Okay, great. Okay. All right, good luck, dude.